0: Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend, but on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around, because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Friends, here we are in our final episode of Season 3. That flew by so fast. We have heard from some amazing artists, worship leaders, and musicians this season. I have enjoyed chatting with every single one of them and I hope you've heard something that got you thinking, sparked a conversation, and helped you realize you aren't alone. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for information about our summer plans and upcoming season four. It's going to be a little different, but I'm excited about it and I hope you will be as well. Today, we wrap up this season and we are chatting with none other than Pastor Court Chavis. If you're at all familiar with the apostolic music world, you know Court Chavis. He's a regular worship leader at events like General Conference and NAYC. He's been featured on recordings and on tours with artists like Brittany Scott and James Wilson, just to name a few. And he's also recorded and released his own projects, including the popular 2009 album, Help Me, which remains a timeless classic. He is also currently the pastor of Truth Chapel in Loganville, Georgia. I have wanted to chat with Pastor Chavis since before we ever released our first episode. I've been a fan of his music since back in the Help Me days, and I've also been blessed over the years by his preaching and teaching, much of which is available on YouTube or on the Truth Chapel podcast feed. I knew he would bring a depth of valuable wisdom and experience to this season, and I was not disappointed. The things we talk about today have the potential to change the culture of the apostolic movement. And if you think that sounds hyperbolic, well, just listen in and see for yourself. Here's my long-awaited conversation with Pastor Court Chavez. Pastor Court Chavez, welcome to Good Question. So glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Very excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, my husband and I were talking this morning as we were getting ready Um Back when we started this a year and a half ago, we had a master list of people that we would love to chat with, and your name has been on that list ever since. And the topic that we want to talk to you about has changed several times over the course of the podcast <laughs> um, because there's just so many things that I feel like we could have you on, and you have insight and background and um, experience with. But Apostolic Music, it seemed like the perfect fit, and we're so glad we were able to make this happen and get uh, some time on your calendar and our calendar to, to make this interview take place. So for people who don't know who you are, go ahead and give an introduction. Tell us a little bit about your background and where you are and what you're about.
1: Yes. Um, my name is Court Chavis. Um, court as in order in the court, basketball court. Um, Chavis as in C-H-A-B-I-S, C-H-A-V-I-S, Chavis. Um, I am, <laughs> I've been called uh, Chavis uh, Chavez um, <laughs> Uh, there's been a there's been a, <clears throat> a litmus of different um, ways, but it's just Chavis, and I am excited to be here today, um, and excited to be on the podcast. And I come from um, uh, a little small town in North Carolina. Uh, I was raised in a little small town called Spring Lake, and it's right outside of Fort Bragg area. Mm-hmm. If anybody's familiar with that military installation, I was raised there my whole life. I was born in a town called Lumberton. And I am Native American. I'm from the Lumbee Tribe, which is really right there in the Lumberton area. That's where I was born and was raised in Spring Lake, and um, come from a great family—a great mom and dad, Jeff and Wanda Chavis. uh, Was you know just really, really blessed to go to a great church growing up, uh, Spring Lake United, which my brother now pastors, Brock Chavis, and uh, church is still good and still going strong. And um, you know my. My family, just my family background, you know, ministry, music, raised in church. Um, I I didn't always uh, do right, didn't always do well. I had a, uh, if anybody's heard my testimony, you know, I had a several years there where um, I I was just kind of lost. And, um, but even throughout all that, you know, I knew that there was a call in my life. I knew that God had something planned uh, for me. Um, I ran from that for a while. Um, But, you know, God has a way of grabbing us and, and bringing us back. And um but I grew up around music, I grew up around ministry. Um and uh my uh, I went to um uh college at UNC Pembroke, which is where um like my family is from and, and where my uh my tribe is from in the Pembroke area of uh Robinson County, North Carolina. Uh, that's where I went to college. I went to college for music. I, I, I wanted to be a music teacher. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that was is because when I was uh, just like in seventh grade, um, a music teacher like really changed my life. Uh, her name was Denise Payton. And um, I took chorus as an elective. And uh, so we, you, you, back then you had to audition. I don't know if they do that today, but back mm-hmm. then you had to audition. <laughs> and uh, so, I, so I auditioned to join the chorus as an elective in my seventh grade year and she was like, man, you can really sing. And, um, you know, I had heard people say that, but i had never heard like a like a professional or someone mm-hmm. I didn't know say that. Mm-hmm. You know, you expect your family and your friends.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but she was like, you know, you really have a great voice. And so she really helped me. So I stayed with her uh, throughout uh, my junior high years. And she really, really, really helped me um, vocally and taught me a lot of really good things. And then I went on to high school and continued to sing. Uh, in course, and um then, when I got out of high school, I went to UNC Pembroke uh, on basically my voice as my instrument mm. and joined the music program there with full intentions of one day becoming a a high school or maybe a college um, music teacher. I did not finish that degree uh, that was a really rough time in my life. I didn't finish that degree, and I haven't uh, you know i'm i'm forty three right now and I haven't decided to continue that. <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of teaching and, uh, I guess, in I guess in a lot of ways, um, that, that dream of mine has kind of come to fruition in many ways. Cause I've taught a lot and I've tried to help people uh, a lot, uh, in music, but, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of my background. Um, I joined the military when I was, uh, 20, I turned 21 in basic training. So right when oh, I was wow. just about to turn 21, I joined the military, joined the army, decided, you know, that I wanted some college money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, cause I was in a, I was in a rough place and, uh, I didn't, I didn't do well, uh, with my college money that my father had given me and kind of the prodigal son story, yeah. wasted his substance with riotous living. <laughs> um, that's my, that was me. And so I joined the military for, for money, uh, got out, got married right out of basic training, got married. And then, um, in 2003, got activated into active duty. And in 2004, uh, spent a year in combat in Iraq. Hmm. And that's kind of like my changing place that the whole story of Iraq and many people have heard it. Um, but I spent a year in Iraq in combat, seen a lot of crazy stuff, did a lot of crazy stuff. But when I came home, I I was really just locked in. I said, you know what, whatever, God, whatever you want to do, I'm down. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not running. I'm not, Hiding, this is it, mm. and so from there, that was the end of 2004, beginning of 2005. In 2006, I started. I, I preached my first revival as a full-time evangelist in 2006, and, mm. and the rest is history. Mm. God has taken me to places I never thought I'd go. I've done things I never thought I'd do. I've been involved in stuff I never thought I'd be involved in. Uh, you know, but God's a good God, and yeah. His, uh, you know, His His plan, His way is uh, far above our plan and far above our ways. And um, his his mercy and his grace is 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 truly something that I've lived out. I, yeah. I've watched it happen, and I, I've experienced it on a on a high level. And I'm I'm just thankful.
0: Yeah, I think those kinds of things they come through. I knew some parts of your story, but not all of those uh, details. And so, yeah, it's, it's looking at the things that I've known of your music and of your ministry from afar. You know, just um. Yeah, At conferences or on the Internet, you know, watching sermons and things like that. Those things come through in how you how you minister to people. Those experiences that we have make us into the people that God needs us to be to be the people he wants us to be. Um, Absolutely. And so that's that's really, really amazing. Specifically, the, the time in the military, does any of that do you find that any of that has specific impact on the way you approach ministry at this point in your life?
1: Yes. Um, so this, this is pretty crazy. So I have this conversation all the time because, um, you know, the military has helped me and hurt me. Mm. And one of the ways that it's, that it's helped me, and I I believe that it's helped me way more than it's hurt me, but there's no, I'll explain. So the way that it's helped me is, you know, natural leader. I can walk into a room of chaos and I can make sense out of it. I have a high threshold for pain. And, and, and what I mean by that is not really necessarily like, like physical pain. But just, I have a high threshold just to push through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, sickness, tiredness, exhaustion, mm-hmm. I just push through. Um, and it, what the military trains you to do is that it, the, the, military you, the military trains you to understand one of the things it trains you on is to understand that your, your body is better than your mind. Hmm. And if you can ever win the mind game, your body can do what your mind thinks you can't do. Uh. You know, like for me, like my mind is continually telling me, this is too big for you. You know, this church is too big for you. This ministry is too big for you. Mm. This task is too big for you. This position is too big for you. This ministry is too big for you. But I, I know that it's not, you know, mm. and I can't. Like when you're running, your mind is saying, you're dying. You know, yeah. you got to stop running. Your you know, your lungs are going to explode. Yeah. Your, your your, your, legs are going to fall off. You're not going to have legs anymore. <laughs> um, but if you can win the mind game, your body's actually really, really strong. And yeah. can, it, it can do what you think you can't do. And so I think that's one of the ways that it's really helped me. It's helped me be a great leader, um, or try to be a great leader. Um, but it's also like kind of hurt me because there's moments as a pastor that I'm like, Hey, I'm being super military right now. And mm. this is not an army. <laughs> These are not <laughs> soldiers. Um, you know, and, and, and too, like, sometimes I'll like, I'll take charge and I'll take, uh, you know, over, and i don't need to take charge and i don't mm. need to take over i need mm. to let someone else be in charge i need to i need to let someone else uh you know run the show i need to let someone else be who they're going to be and so sometimes that's that that gets in the way, uh, you know, every once in a while. And, and I'll I'll, I'll kind of check myself and I have an amazing wife, Amanda, who's beautiful. She's amazing. Uh, but she also helps me a lot with that. Like, hey, you know, this ain't the military. Hey, you're being super military right now. Um, so there's there's ways that it's helped. There's ways that it's hurt. Um, but I would not trade those days for anything. You know, I, I love to serve my country. And I served my country on a high level. And I'm thankful for that. I don't want to do it again. yeah. Uh, but I'm thankful that that part of my life is a part of my life. Because I believe it's helped me, make me to who I am today.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, we were, again, my husband also was in the military. And right. we've, we've talked about how um, it's a unique thing to find a person in ministry who also has that same experience. I mean, they're kind of life paths that you. you it's, not, it's not real common yeah. that you get to do both things in, in one lifetime. It's an interesting uh, culture and an interesting world. Yeah, and so yeah, it's. I can see how it can yeah. be definitely beneficial and also definitely um, have some downsides too.
1: <laughs> yeah, your husband would probably uh, agree with me, m- maybe. But the only thing that I miss about the military, the only thing that I miss, I don't. I don't miss waking up early. I don't miss running. I don't. I definitely don't miss combat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't miss hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. I don't miss being told what to do, what to wear. Mm-hmm. I don't miss any of those things, but one thing I do miss that the military has and is super super unique to the military and everybody listening right now who's a veteran or that's been in the military for a while um it's 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 the brotherhood mm-hmm. um there there is a brotherhood in 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 the army and um or in the military in general, and especially when you go to combat, yeah like there's a brotherhood that it's, it's hard to explain. And, um, I don't know. It's just, um, those guys that I went to Iraq with those guys that I saw combat with those guys that I almost died with, like we cannot see each other for years. And then we see each other. And it's just like, it's, it's just unbelievable. I went several years, not seeing some of them and my church family on my 40th birthday brought in a couple of my guys because they heard me talk about them and they, how important they are to me. They brought them in secretly and they, you know, came out during my birthday party and they're like, hey, by the way, we brought in some friends and they came out and I lost it. I I, like, like a, like a big baby. Um, (laughs) And I just cried, but that is like a unique um, relationship. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I wish we had in the apostolic movement Mm. is like a true brotherhood. Um, Like I have good friends and and I love them dearly. And um, there's, you know, it's, it's just few and far between. It's just like, you know, we have such a great Network of apostolic men and 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 women working together, but one thing we lack is like a true unity, mm. and that th- th- that's one of the things that, that that I would love to try to to fix about us is just having a a true brotherhood. And 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 when you see it, like I've been to different districts and I've traveled all over our movement, and I've seen it in a couple of different places, and it like it it, it inspires me, and it almost mm. like like there's been several districts that I've been like, hey, could I change my license to this? Could I still be in Georgia? <laughs> Take my life into this district mm-hmm. just because the way you guys love each other, the way you hang out, the way, you know, like it seems like everybody's like in each other's corner rejoicing with each other. And, um, I don't know. It's just something that I look for. And I think the military is where I found it at and I haven't found it since like I have really great friends. I'm not saying that I don't have friends and I have a small group of guys that we connect all the time. And that's amazing. That's been super, super helpful. Um, but I wish I could, you know, experience that across the board, yeah. um, and I know sometimes that, I know that some, some, sometimes that's difficult. But you can ask your husband about that later. You can say, "Hey, yeah. Pastor Chavez talked about the brotherhood," <laughs> and you know, like because uh, there's just nothing like it. Like, yeah. just the uh, you know, there's just nothing, nothing like that. I, well, I, I haven't found it anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I got a tiny, tiny taste of that. I don't. I would not even. Um you know, say I could compare it to the same kind of connections that you forge in a combat situation. But as a military wife living on a, yeah. on a base, whenever I had my first daughter, we were in Hawaii, we were stationed in Hawaii. So we we're far away from home. We went to the hospital to have her. It was my husband and I, you know, my, there was no family here, there with us at the time. Uh-huh. And I came back home to a cul-de-sac or, you know, an alleyway where all these houses were together, where there were like three other new moms, like brand new moms. You know, we, yeah. we, were, we had our pregnancies together. We were, we had babies, you know, our, together. We were swapping tips and ideas and. Absolutely. And so you got that, that, that little bit of a connection of we're in the same spot in the same, you know, we're, we're experiencing the same thing as far as being far away from home. And um, this, you know, this new experience of having babies and all that stuff. I agree with you. I wish that that was something that we could, See more in the church. What is it that you yeah. think that prevents us from having that?
1: You know, I just think it's, I don't think it's ever been like pushed as a cultural uh, thing. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's something that eludes us. And, you know, I mean, like, I, I know this is a podcast a lot of people listen to, and, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm downing anything because, because I'm not. Like, like, I love, I love our movement, the apostolic yeah. movement. I'm not, even, I'm not even really talking about the UPCI. I'm just talking about the apostolic movement. Like, I love it. I think it's right. You know, I think we're right and, and I love it. But within our movement, there is a spirit of competition that I despise. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's something that I didn't experience in the military. I'm not saying it didn't exist because I'm sure it does. There's guys vying for, for position. There's like, you know, political moves that guys make. I, I understand all that. that, that that's always going to happen. Like, we're never going to get rid of politics. It's just part of it. But I believe there's good politics and bad politics, you know. hmm but it's like there's a competition, you know, and yeah. and be, because of that little spirit of competition, like it, it hurts us to get like really close to people, yeah. Um, you know, because you're like you are getting really close to my. Well, what church do you go to? I go to this church down the street. Oh, well, we're better than that church, or you yeah. know, our preacher's better than that preacher, or you know, our choir's better than your choir. Mm. Um, and it's just that little spirit that floats around within this within our movement um, that I think hampers us, and I I just I don't like it. Yeah, it, it's something that I've always disliked and i think that that's something that would help us if we could all like see ourselves on the same team yeah you know because in, in the military it's like hey me, me and you got beef uh, you know and i've had some some real you know hard discussions and some and some some moments in the military where me and people were not mad at each other or whatever but like we were on the same team though like yeah. so like you know, we found a way to squash it. We found a way to work, work, work through it. You know, we we had hard conversations, and and we were okay with having that because we knew, like, hey, we got to work this out because we're on the same team. And at the end of the day, we're about to go out. We're about to go outside the wire, mm. and the enemy's out there. And me and you cannot have any beef. Like, we got we got to fix this and let's yeah. fix it now. So let's have the hard conversation. And I think that that's the culture that we need to build within our movement is the the culture of team. Yeah. Um, it's like, hey, you know what i I don't care if you're 30 minutes from me and you have a bigger church than I have. Like, I, I I feel like you're on my team.
2: Yeah.
1: And and I want to feel, I want to feel like I'm on your team. So when something good happens for you, man, it's happening for me.
2: Yeah.
1: And when something bad happens for you, something bad is happening for me. Rejoice with them that rejoice, Uh, you know, weep with them that weep. And um, I think that's where, you know, we kind of get off board a little bit. I'm, I want to pray for you. I, I don't want to talk about you. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make you feel a certain kind of way. Like, you know, I want I to be there for you in all those situations. And I want you to be there for me in all those situations as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, th- I think as individuals, we can start Deciding that we want to shift that culture and start doing it ourselves, as people, yeah, for you, sure. you know, leading departments, leading music departments, leading churches, leading youth departments, we can we can decide that that's the culture we want and start. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's going to take everybody shifting to get out of ingrained habits, and you know, a, cult- yeah. a culture is a hard thing to break. And I and I agree with you that there is a culture of competition that. I mean, we're talking about music this season, especially comes out in music.
1: Yes. Big time, big time in music, Yeah, big time in music. Um, and you have to train, you have to train yourself to rejoice
2: mm. and
1: you have to train yourself to like not be jealous. Yeah. And you have to train yourself because those are, those are natural, those are natural inclinations. Yeah. Uh, you know, human, you know, because we're all humans living the human experience like we like we our humanity is humanity and like no one's different (laughs) and so those things come easy you know you see someone making great music you see someone really doing something or you see another musician getting a chance to do something that you wish you could do or to travel with somebody you wish you could travel with or to be involved with something that you think you could be involved with and the, the natural inclination is to be like well why why do they get to do that? What what are their credentials? Why yeah. or oh, what well, they must just be friends? They, you know, he must know somebody who knows somebody. Um, instead of saying, Man, that's awesome. Like, I'm so glad that he's going to do that because I want to do that. And that is me that, that is must be a great feeling for him or her to be able to do that, be able to sing, be able to travel, whatever it is that they're doing. And I think that helps us out much more mentally than the other.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause the other just, you know, Makes us question ourselves. Makes us question people around us. And then we have a lot of musicians who are really, really talented, but they're so jaded that, mm-hmm. they, that they really can't be used for anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good things to think about, and some, Absolutely. some self-reflection to work through. Like, how how is this coming up for me? You know, because you can yeah. get in, you can get in a rut. All
1: do-
2: of us have that question.
0: Yeah, i have going through uh, the way I the way I think, the way I do things, and I don't realize that I've let this you know, jaded mindset kind of take over. That's important to get it out, root it out, get it take care of it.
1: Yeah. And I think and I think the best way to to do it is to actively rejoice. And 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 like don't don't just say it. Don't just think it. But you know, make the comment. Man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's so good to see you're doing that. I rejoice with you. Yeah. You know, shoot a text. You know, hey, I saw that this was happening. I, you know, hey, I saw that you guys are doing this. And man, I just I just want you to know that I'm excited for you. And yeah. this is awesome. Um, I know that when people do that to you know, to me, I went I went years here at Truth Chapel not posting anything about anything great was happening, anybody getting the Holy Coast, mm-hmm. any kind of numbers. I just like didn't post anything. And and the reason is because like I just felt like people were jealous and no one was rejoicing with me and it was just like, well, you know, they must be charismatic because they're having revival. Mm-hmm. And because those those are the things that I heard like through the grapevine type conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe one or two people with well, the most, the majority of people were like, man, we want to know, like, this is exciting for us too. Like, you know, we're, and so like, even on my, even on the other side of it, you have to be like, Hey, people want to rejoice with me. So I need to share what I'm, you know, what God is doing. And I need to be free to share that in a way that, that people don't think I'm bragging. Like mm-hmm. we, need, we need to allow people the space to rejoice in what the Lord has done in their situation mm. and not be seen as either braggadocious or self-promoting. Mm. There's so many talented people in this movement that won't say a word about it because mm. they feel like people are going to think that they're self-promoting. Yeah, And we need to give people the space to just say, hey man, this is great. I had this opportunity this is amazing. Post a picture, you know, post a video and feel like people will be like, man, that's awesome. That's great. Instead of people feeling like, oh man, everybody's going to think I'm just bragging on myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I fight it. I fight that all the time.
1: We all do. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We all do.
0: My husband and I, we've been working on uh, an ad that we're taking out for the general conference brochure for the podcast. And I was like, you know, we had this whole conversation. I was like, is this, is this a waste of money? Like, do I need, do we really need to be like this ad with my picture? You know, like this is, this seems, you know, over the top. And, you know, I mean, my husband's like, well, but the Lord asked you to do this and you're obeying the Lord and no one's going to listen if they don't know about it. So, you know, he had to walk me through all these steps of being like, no, this is, this is what you do. This is how you, you, you obey the Lord. And, um, but it's hard, man, it is.
1: And the reason you feel that way is because our culture is not teens. Our, our culture is competition. Yeah. And so you, you're feeling like, you know, you know, because our culture has led you to, to, to feel like, man, people are going to be like, well, you know, she thinks she's something else. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's not as good as this podcast over here. And who, mm-hmm. who does she think she is? And, yeah, and, and exactly. you know, where, where does she go to church? And who's her pastor? Mm-hmm. All these questions. But if it's team, it's like, Hey, I want to put myself out there, you know, like, um, you know, Stephen Curry doesn't like not take a shot because he don't want because he doesn't want people to say, "Oh, he's just showing off because he's a good three point shooter." <laughs> no, he's taking a shot because he wants his team to win. You know, and and then the apostolic movement, like we have to, you know, it, it, us as individuals, like we have to be free to take our shot. Yeah, Uh, you know, because we want our team to win. Yeah. You know, overall, you know, and we want to bring excellence, and that's why, you know, even within the the you know the music world in the apostolic. You know, movement like music is becoming so much better. And I'm not saying anything about anybody before. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to hear this and be like, what do you mean? It's so much better. And listen, our, our quality of music is so much better. Our writing is so much better. Um, it's gotten better. And I'm not, and w- everything that came before, man, I love it. I rejoice with it. I'm excited about it. I bought that stuff, you mm-hmm. know, to support people. Um, so I'm not saying anything about, but you see the love, the come up is crazy in apostolic movement. Mm-hmm. And what determines the value and what determines the success of apostolic music are fans. Hmm. And if we don't have fans, we don't have nothing, you know? Yeah. And so like, hey, how do we compete with, with Maverick City music? How do we compete with elevation worship? How do we compete with Bethel music? How do we compete, you know, with, with, with these monstrosities of people that have like 10 writing camps yeah. and they, they've got hundreds, uh, hundreds of songs and they're writing. They're writing every day, and uh, you know. So how do we compete with that? And, and and here's the answer to that question: We don't compete with that. Why would we compete with that?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it's not a competition.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not a competition. But as an individual, as a as an artist, as a writer, the only thing that makes my music successful, and as far as like when we when we think about hey, how many records sold, how many streams, you know, the only thing that makes sense is the fans, mm. the people. Who rejoice with me and listen to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, if without those people, you know, without those people, there is no future of apostolic music. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to have apostolic people who are listening to apostolic music, sharing it, being excited about it, coming to concerts, coming to live recordings. Uh, we just had James Wilson here uh, last week and he did his outpour tour him and Draylon Young. Mm-hmm. And literally I had people asking me, "Man, the, the tickets $35. You know, are you uh, why? Well, it was 80 bucks to go see Maverick City." Yeah. And the, and, and they and they're selling out a stadium.
0: Yeah. And we don't think you twice know, about saying, it. Was, we don't think twice about it. We don't think it.
1: twice about it. But I promise you, the music, the the you know, the musicianship, the writing, is just as good, if not better, here at this you know small venue where we you know didn't quite have a sellout crowd. we probably could have sold a hundred more tickets now that's just on the musicianship and the penmanship side, but now when you talk about anointing yeah there's not even a competition there
2: yeah
1: it, 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 i mean it's in, a, it's in a whole different ballpark yeah of what we felt in this room on, on Friday, night. but it doesn't matter if nobody shows up yeah. It doesn't matter if enough people are like, man, this, you know, no, support, you know, because when you see it as a team, I want to get behind my teammate and I want to get behind what God is doing in this movement because I want to help apostolic music get out. Yeah. You know, I want to help apostolic music become more mainstream. And that is the job of the fan, not the job of the artist. Like, Mm. You, can, you don't do so much. You know, you make sure your production's right. You make sure your producing's right. You make sure your copywriting's right. Make sure you get it in the hands of the right people. You make sure it's on all the streaming. You know, people aren't buying CDs anymore. So you yeah. get a few CDs and you sell them maybe here and there. Um, but that's, that's all we can do as an artist. It's really up to the people who yeah. hear it and say, man, I like this. I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this video. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this song. When when it comes out, I'm going to post it on my Instagram and be like, "Man, I love this song. This is awesome. You know, this is my jam right now. This is speaking yeah. to me." Yeah. Well, then that gets it out to everybody who you follow, and everybody who they follow, and and you say, "Well, well, why do you need us? Well, why does Beyonce need her fan? Yeah. you know, why does Justin Bieber need his fan? You know, mm-hmm. like why why is someone as rich as Justin Bieber still doing live tours?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? I mean, like, why not just sit home and just make music and never leave your house? Just play golf every day." <laughs> But he's still selling out stadiums. You know why? Because it's the fans. He has to keep fans. Fans build a success. And so within the music of apostolic, in the apostolic world, like the music is on the come up. Like amazing. Like the production level is getting better. Videos are getting better. How we're producing is getting better. Copywriting is getting better. All All that stuff is getting amazingly better. What what we need is just like you know the people to you know again we we come back to the concept of team mm-hmm. we come back to the concept of hey we're all in this together and we want to make this successful so let's help make it successful
0: well and it's also shifting the mindset I think I think as a culture we're so used to like uh, a person maybe an evangelist or even even a traveling singing uh, evangelist or or family or yeah. something would come through and they would they would do what essentially a concert for your church service and we would give them an offering, right? And we're all okay yeah. with we're all okay with oh the, I was blessed in this service, I'm going to put something in the offering plate, right? But if something in our mind says, "Oh, I I'm not going to pay." <laughs> you're do, yeah. you're doing a ministry, so I'm not going to pay for that, which is exactly the opposite of what the word teaches us about how we're supposed yeah. to honor the people that are that are laboring among us, right? So
1: Pay the been worthy of his hire.
0: Yeah. And and we can't have um the the music coming up in quality and coming up in production. All of that costs money.
1: Big, yeah, a lot of money.
0: Yeah. The investment that's being put into that by the artists and the musicians is enormous. And so I think I think you're right. We have to shift in our minds to say, if I'm gonna support what this person is doing, like that means putting Putting my money where my mouth is, too, you know, maybe I don't need to buy this album on iTunes. I can I can stream it with my Spotify premium, but maybe maybe that's my offering is that I go out and I buy that James Wilson album. I go out and I buy that Britney Scott album, you know. Absolutely. As a means of supporting and showing that, yeah, I'm proud of what we're doing, what you all are doing. And I'm excited about it and I want to I want to support it. I love
1: that. Absolutely, I was telling someone not too long ago. I said, you know, when I my, when I dropped my last album in 2015, and I need to do a new one, but I've just, I've been busy pastoring a church, so <laughs> I, I have an excuse. That's my excuse. <laughs> but when I dropped my album in um, 2015, that year I had like 64 thousand streams of of that album, and I was telling somebody, and I, I think I think it was like, I think I made somewhere around like 350 bucks off those 64,000 streams. Oh my streams. goodness. So what I was telling someone I was like, you know what? If those 64,000 people who listened to the album would have just bought one song a piece, just mm. one song, just mm. went on there and actually purchased it for, you know, I th- I think I had it for 99 cent or uh, you know, maybe a dollar uh for uh, uh one song. My w- what I would have gotten from that, I could have I could have paid the album off completely just mm. in that first year. Mm. Uh, if if all those people who listen to it, because these are all unique, they, they don't they don't give you the ones over and over, so they show you unique streams. And I would have been able to pay off that album if every if all those people had just bought one song. Now mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not you know I'm not I'm not here to to to, to bash fans or whatever. I, I, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to get people to see. I'm what I'm trying to get people to see is the the realistic view of what it takes to be successful. Like what it takes to. To pay off an album, what it takes, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, right now to to, to do an album, you know, I'm just going to tell people this because I think people need to know this. Like right now, for an individual to do an album, really good, bring in a good band to, you know, do a good live recording, and to spend the money to get stuff edited, um, worked out, uh, you know, send it off and get it mastered, all those things, you're looking between fifty and seventy five thousand dollars to get that mm. done, and that's and that's like a minimum. Yeah, second like minimum. You could, you might could get it done cheaper, but you're gonna hear it. That's the problem.
2: Yeah, you're
1: yeah. gonna hear, you, you're gonna hear that. And you know, I know there, there may be people out there saying, "Oh, oh no, you could do it. You could do a lot lot cheaper than that." Well, you're mm-hmm. gonna be able to hear that it was done cheaper than that. Yeah. Like if you wanted to sound really good, really amazing, and be radio ready, like mm-hmm. ready ready for radio, then it's gonna cost you about fifty to seventy five grand. It depends on how big you want to go. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and really you could do, you could, it could be more than that. You could go, you could go up from there. Like that's, that's like the bottom of the barrel. Um, and so like making that back, like, yeah, you know, and years ago I had a conversation with uh, several of our apostolic musicians. And what I was saying was in order for us to be able to, you know, seriously make money to pay off your albums or to even, you know, support yourself as a minister, you need to take this on the road. Because I was telling them about how I was very successful with the Help Me album. Mm. But the reason I was successful with the Help Me album, number one, people were still buying CDs.
2: Yeah.
1: And number two, I was a full-time evangelist. So I traveled every weekend, every, like for, I don't know, almost, I would say for four years, Mm. every weekend I was traveling. I was in a new church every weekend. I was in a new location. Every weekend <laughs> and every weekend I was, you know, selling, you know, 20, 30, 40 CDs, you know, at, at, at different locations. And I was basically on a world tour <laughs> for, you know, you know, cause I would always sing a couple songs before I preach. And so I was like, Hey, we got, we got a tour. And now that's happening like that tour yeah. that, you know, we started with battle cry and that now you see Charity Gale, she's touring, Mark Crowder's touring, Draylon Young's touring. You see uh, Brittany Scott, you know, we're still doing the Battle Cry tour. And uh, you see um, James Wilson touring.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that list really, really goes on. Uh, you have um, all like Matt Linton mm-hmm. and you have Stan Cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are all musicians. These are all people who write. These are all people who are on the road ministering through music. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, you have gospel, CCM, Black gospel. Um, you have uh, Southern gospel. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, it's amazing. music, and they're, and they're out there doing it um, and, and trying to support themselves, uh, you know, in a world where, um, you know, people, this ministry, you know, this opportunity, you know, no, we want to be seen just like anybody else would want to be seen. And it, the only way that that is successful, the only way that that is supportive is if the fans say, hey, we love this, we like this, and we want to help you continue to produce it, continue to do it.
0: Yeah. That's a really it's a really good reminder. It's a good hopefully a mindset shift for people. Yeah. As they're listening. Because we have we've interviewed some of these people. You know, we've talked to Bernie Scott this season. Just yesterday I interviewed Jeremy and Jamin Hart, who are writing music and singing and traveling and preaching and singing. And it's it's everywhere if you look for it. Yeah. And yeah. it's becoming more prominent. And like you said, there's something about there's there's an anointing in apostolic music that is different and it's powerful. There's power in, in music and it, it connects with us in ways that nothing else can. And so I wanna shift our, shift our topic just a little bit here for the, for the remainder of the interview and talk about, talk about that spiritual side of things. I know that you've, I've heard a, a lesson that you've taught about the theology of music and how, uh, how we have to be careful about what we let in to our minds and into our spirits through through music, and I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. How do we make sure that what we're doing, even if, even as we're going about choosing songs for our music departments to you know to sing for our services, yeah. how do we make sure that what what number one, what is our responsibility to know where a song came from, what kind of spirit was behind the song when it was written, and then how do how do you go about navigating that and figuring out? what's a best fit and how, and how you're stewarding like the spiritual side of that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when we, when we think about music, you know, we have to first think of ourselves as human beings, you know, we we are humans and we are experiencing the human condition and we, we can't separate ourselves from that. Like the natural side, I, I, I'm very practical, like, and as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, I'm always trying to get people to understand that Everything's not spiritual. I'm not trying to dismiss the spiritual. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that this actually helps you mm-hmm. when you think about it this way, because we can't separate ourselves from the natural things that will happen in our lives. Music naturally, you know, gets into our mind with ease. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and you can't separate yourself from that. you can't say, well, no no no, no, I just listen to the beat. I don't listen to the lyrics. That's mm-hmm. a lie you you can't you can't do that. it's impossible to do that mm-hmm. It is impo- unless you just don't know what they're saying unless <laughs> you can't understand the lyrics. but if you' if your brain can understand it, you you are going to ingest the lyrics with the beat. matter of fact, the beat allows the lyrics to get in. Mm-hmm. If you heard the lyrics alone, they may not make an effect on you, but because there was a beat, because there was music, you can't. And this is this is just natural. This is human. You you can't. It's it's not like no no no. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm I, I can't <laughs> I can't hear the lyrics. You know no. You, you're still a human being, and there's nothing supernatural about you in the moment when you're listening to music. And so you have to understand that what whatever the content of this music is, whatever the content is. It's, it's getting in. Mm-hmm. So if the content is good, if the content is good, then good is getting in. If the content is evil, then evil is getting in. I don't care you know, who you are. I don't care what you, you, know, you think you can or cannot do. Lyrics, lyrics are the key. Mm. Music itself is, is, is very, um, what I would consider amoral. You mm. know, music is amoral. It, it's just no, like people can, you know, well, there's devil's music and there's, you know, there's, you know, the diminished chords and whatever. But I don't, I don't really believe in all that. And, and I, I know there's a bunch of people who, who want to preach that kind of stuff. I just ain't got no, no Bible for it mm. and I also don't have any science for it. Mm. Uh, music is just amoral. What, what you put to the music makes it either immoral or moral, mm. makes it right, righteous or unrighteous, mm. the, the lyrics or, you know, the lyrics can be false doctrine mm. or righteous doctrine. Mm. It's the, the lyrics matter. Lyrics matter. Even, you know, I am I was raised, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And so I'm a huge hip hop fan. I was raised with, around hip hop. I wanted to be, you know, a rapper, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I listened to everything that you could possibly imagine, you know, Sugar Hill Gang, uh, you know, Public Enemy, LL Cool J, (laughs) um, and and the list goes on. Okay, I could just go on for days. But, like, so I still like to listen to, like, that hip-hop sound. And there's a lot of really good, you know, Christian, uh, you know, rap, Christian hip-hop out there. But you got to be very careful because the lyrics, like, if you have a whole album and it's not talking about God, it's not talking Mm. about Jesus, it's not talking about the scripture, like— what what is it talking about then? Is it just mm-hmm. edifying the lifestyle, edifying the, the 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 world, or is it edifying self as a humanism? Mm. You know, instead of you know, creative, and it's the same thing with Elevation, Maverick, Be- Bethel, um, anything. You know, I would put I would put all those people in the same. You know, Chris Tomlin, uh, Israel Houghton. Uh, the Gaither Vocal Band. Yeah. Let's put them all in the list because they all have music that, if you listen to it, not not, not everything, but there's some of it that you listen to is like this is not biblically sound. Yeah, this makes no biblical sense. Mm. And 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 what they're trying to say is is not right. You know, there's a there's a song, and I I'm a huge Kirk Franklin fan, so don't don't <laughs> I don't want nobody to say, oh, you don't like Kirk Franklin? No, I love Kirk Franklin. But there's a song that he did. I believe maybe with, um, maybe it was uh, Toby Mack that did this song. with There's a part of the song where he says, living for God is not, not about uh, you know, what you do. Living for God is about who you are, or something like that. And I, I remember like, when my kids were little, we we're listening to that, and I stopped the song. I was like, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> you no, know, Living for God is what you do. Mm. That's wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: he just said is a lie.
2: Mm. It
1: is about what you do. Mm. You know, and is you know, and, and I guess he's trying to say, you know, we're not saved by our works, but you know, faith without works is dead, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that you can go do anything. That yeah. You can go smoke, you can go drink, you can go whatever. Well, that's what that you know, trying to promote. You know, like, hey, it's it's, it's not about what you do. It's just you know, it's about who you are. Mm-hmm. No, it's really about what you do. You, we, we don't say that about anything else. Yeah. You know, hey, working at Burger King is not about what you do. It's about wearing this shirt. <laughs> <burger. laughs> no, if you don't flip burgers and make fries, you're getting fired. Mm-hmm. It is about what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we come to God, you know, and, and, you know this biblical soundness. And what you have to understand is that when God made music and God made music, God made it because God made everything. Mm-hmm. So if God made Satan, God made, you know, Lucifer, son of the morning, Ezekiel, you know, the anointed cherubim that covereth tabrets, pipes, if God made that, so God made music, when God made music, he made music for one single purpose, and that is for worship. And so you can't separate the two. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't say, well, you know, I'm listening, but I'm not really involved. No, you are involved. And, and we see that not only in just a spiritual way, but we also see that in the way that humans absorb lyrics and music. Like In school, a lot of people will taught their times tables by singing. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we teach kids, we, you know, Bible quizzing by, mm-hmm. by singing. You learned your ABCs <laughs> by singing. And every one of us, everybody listening has had a moment in your life when you're like sitting somewhere and a song comes on and you start singing the song, but, and you don't even know the song, but you know it because you heard it in a, you know, in a Applebee's or yeah. you heard it, you know, and you're like, how do I know? Or you just know that one, that one phrase of the mm-hmm. song. You're like, how do I know this song? And why do I know the lyrics? <laughs> you know, because you're, 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 you're having, you're a human having a human experience, you know, experiencing the human condition. That's how it gets in. And so I said all that to say this, like, we have to be careful what, what the music is saying.
2: Mm.
1: What is it saying? And so, you know, there's like, there's like music that I love, you know, I love Bon Jovi. I love, um, you know, I grew up in a, you know, in a very eclectic world of like, a ton of different music, and like there's some of that music. Like I'm like, hey, this is this is promoting a bad idea, you know? Like, <laughs> um, you know, and, and and listen, we can go all the way down to country music, you yeah. know? You know, yep. um, here's your one chance. Fancy, don't let me down. Uh, that's a horrible song. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I love Reba. God bless her, but. <laughs> that's not a good song. You know, there's a bunch of country songs like that. There's a bunch of hard rock songs like that. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of rap songs like that. There's a bunch of pop songs like that. It's it's not the genre, you know, it's what the lyrics are saying. Mm. What are the lyrics saying? What do they mean? And what are they promoting? Because if you listen to songs about, you know, rebellion and and not listening to your parents and doing what you want to do and um, living the way you want to live and it doesn't matter what anybody says, well, that's, that's rebellion. That's the sin of witchcraft. Mm. But if you listen to a song that promotes, you know, a good lifestyle, you know, good, good being around good people, you know, that's, that's a wholesome thing. It's not, that's not either, you know, that's neither immoral or, or moral. It's just amoral. You know, this is mm. just a song about life.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: if you listen to a song about God and living for God and walking with God and, and submitting to his will and to his way, well, that's going to promote that in your mind. Mm. So what you know, whatever your diet is, that's what you're going to be. or what we eat. Does that make sense? It so does. Just, yeah. And, and and when you are you know thinking about it, you know what? Sometimes I'll I'll do a series on this, and 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 what I'll do is homework, and anybody anybody can you know do this. Uh, just homework is don't listen to the song. Like like pick your favorite song, and it could be Christian or it could be pop. It could be whatever. And I know there are probably a lot of people listening. They have their own, you know, they have their little group, you know, it's like, you know, I love Jesus, uh, but I also love Bruno Mars. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so like, just take a song from that person or that group. Don't listen to it. Just print off the lyrics and read the lyrics out loud. Mm. Just read it. Don't put a beat to it. Now, when you read it, you're going to see exactly what they're saying and then determine, you know what, is this something that I should listen to? Mm. Or is this something I should not listen to? Mm just read the lyrics and then when you're reading them you actually understand them when you're hearing them in the song you're not you're not really picking up on it you're yeah. not really picking up on it yeah you know and that comes with maturity yeah to listen you know because like me and you both we, we've listened to songs that we liked when we were kids <laughs> and we're like oh no 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 my my kid cannot listen to this song you know like you had those moments you're like why is the, I love you know this group I, I love backstreet boys you know uh-huh. and then you, you 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 listen to it again at yep. at your age now and you're like, Oh hold up, hold up, hold up. No 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 no. no. This yeah, is especially a not a good song. in that
0: old country stuff, man. You think like oh, yeah, am all exactly. wholesome and you go back and listen, you're like, Oh my goodness, what are they what was I singing as a ten year old? What on earth?
1: <laughs> I've I've done it so many times using this 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 way, like you know, just listen to the lyrics, you know, just what, what are they saying? And you're like, you know what? This is not a good song. This yeah. is actually promoting rebellion, you know, mm-hmm. drug use, you know, yeah. smoking, drinking, you know, uh, you know. When you come to country music, it's promoting a lot of adultery.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> a and lot then, of
0: it, and then violent reactions to <laughs> to mm-hmm. adultery. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I, lo- I, I appreciate you saying all of that, because I do think that there tends to be kind of a gut reaction that I've heard from from different ministers to kind of just preach against a genre of music. Like, if it sounds like this, it must be bad. And yeah. I think you're right that your preference and style of music is not really the issue. It's yeah. what is it saying? And, and like you said, there can be Christian groups singing Christian songs that the doctrine in the song is completely off the wall. Or it doesn't oh, yeah. make any sense. You know, it all sounds good and it sounds pretty, but it doesn't, when you stop and like really examine it, it doesn't make sense. It's not biblically sound. I love that criteria for for making us think about what we're listening to and really examining it against the word. And I wonder if that ties into the other question that we're kind of asking. I think I've missed it on a couple of episodes, but we intended to ask all of our guests this season about their Boundaries parameters uh, criteria for if they would collaborate with a non apostolic artist, does that tie back in if if the if the song itself is promoting truth of the gospel, biblically sound doctrine, does that tie into whether you would feel comfortable collaborating with someone who was not an apostolic?
1: yeah, you know on the on on you know my thoughts on collaborating uh, are probably a little different than than other people because you know I know that there, there are moments when, um, you know, individual, you know, like there's individual moments where you, you have to take, you know, inventory of like, okay, should I do this? Mm. And, and if I feel like I, I could or can do this or have a moment to either promote or either, you know, either, you know, influence, Mm. then, then I want to take that moment. Like I would not want people to, to not to say, well, you know, these people are, are like us, so we're not going to do anything with them because I think there's a level of, um, understanding there. So, you know, you take, you know, you take a group, you know, let's just, let's just call them, you know, Billy Bob and the Goat Milk Band Mm -hmm. and and they're doing great music and, and they're awesome, but their doctrine's a little bit off, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're, let's just say, for, 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 for lack of, of a better way to explain it, let's just say they're Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. And they have, an, they have like 17 amazing songs, but they have two songs that like in the song, they promote the Trinitarian doctrine. And then they come and they say, hey, man, we, we heard your stuff online, you know, Court, man, we just, you know, we, we we were watching some of your music, man. We heard this song, Help Me. And, and bro, we just, we really want to collaborate with you and do a song. Now, they have a bigger venue than I have. They have much more fans than I have. And so I want fans too and I want to propagate the gospel through my music. I don't think that I would say no. I don't think that I would say, oh no, 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 you guys aren't like me, so I'm not going to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think it's the level of understanding. They 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 may not know the full truth. Right. You know, they are writing music at the level of their understanding. And if I shut them down and I say, no, I'm I'm not going to do that, you know, and and then uh, you know, I, you know, I, even at the risk of them saying, "Well, why? You know, why? Why not? Why do you want to collaborate with us?" Uh, you know, and I mean, I probably wouldn't even come out and just say, hey, "I'm not going to collaborate with you because you don't believe like I believe, and and, and you're wrong and you're off." Some people aren't wrong and off. Some people are just incomplete. Mm. You know, they just don't know. They, mm-hmm. they they they've never they've never heard an apostolic preacher preach the gospel. Mm. You know, their entire lives they've heard people preach a half gospel. Mm you know, at the level of their understanding. So for me to just say no, I think that's off the table for me. I'm I'm not going to say no. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to take each individual moment as it comes. Now, mm-hmm. there has been times that I've said no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've said no. And there's times that I've said no to large genres of people. Um, And the reason that I've said no is because in the moment, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. I prayed mm-hmm. about it. And I didn't feel like in the moment it was the right thing to do. What I thought was, If I do this on this big scale, I'll cause confusion. I'm just Mm. not ready for that right now. And I don't want to cause confusion. Like I don't want to cause my brother to stumble. And I don't want people to be going, why is court doing that? So in the moment I said, no, and I'm, you know, I made an excuse of why I couldn't do it and, you know, you know, whatever, I didn't lie, but I just, you know, came up with something that would be exactly okay for me to say and not ruffle any feathers. Cause I don't want to offend anybody on any level. Um, you know, the, the, the gospel is offensive, but that doesn't give me and you a right to be offensive, Mm. you know? And so I really think it's individual. Like if I heard tomorrow that James Wilson was collaborating with, with, with Maverick City Music, like that would not make me mad at all Mm. because I would just be like, Hey man, that's an opportunity for him to get his, and it may build influence and put him in a place where he could even, you know, share the gospel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with Charity Gale, but she has a great story about, you know, getting involved with people who didn't really believe like her. But a lot of those people she got involved with are now baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost, Mm. you know, and it's put around different people. And I'm not saying, you know, we don't flirt to convert. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Right. But what I'm trying to say is we should not make a policy that we never do that and just go with that policy. Yeah. Because I believe people are better than policy. Hmm. And, and, and I believe each, each individual moment will determine, you know, the answer to that question. And there's been people that I've said no to, there's been people that I've said yes to, but it's all in the moment. And of course, like, you know, praying about it, having a covering, talking to some elders and saying, Hey, this opportunity, should I do this? Should I not do this? You know, what do you, what do you think about it? And, and I've had, you know, some good men of God tell me no. And I said, okay. And, and, And listen, if I was to take their advice, then I, why did I call them? Right. <laughs> you know, so I said, I said, OK, the answer is no. I'm going to I'm going to go with no this time. Yeah. But I'm not saying no every time. I'm not saying no forever. Yeah. I'm just saying no in this moment. And I think that's really how it should be. Yeah. You know, I really I really think that's how that moment should, should come. It should come individually. And I think that for us as apostolics, if we see this happening, we need to have an open spirit and not just mm-hmm. automatically think, oh, well, they're going they're going this way. They're going that way. Oh, yes. man. You know, oh, yeah, I know was coming. We have to have that moment where we say, "Hey, they know what they're doing. I trust their Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm going to be excited
2: for them."
0: Yeah, yeah. It goes back to that team, it, that team mindset. It goes back to that brotherhood and supporting one another and unity. Absolutely. And, and you said you said the phrase. That's my key phrase, which is trusting the Holy Ghost in me to know to know moment by moment when to say yes and when to say no. And then trusting the Holy Ghost in someone else to guide them when to say yes and when to say no. I think we get so scared of either stepping our foot out of line somewhere or someone else stepping out of line that we want these like blanket policies for things to keep us contained and safe and never, you know, that we'll never mess up. And it's not practical. It's not going to it's not going to that's not going to actually happen. And then we never exercise trusting the spirit to know when he's leading us one way and opening this door and closing that door. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and, and two, we got to give each other space to be individuals and we have to give each other space to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, maybe I do that and maybe it doesn't go well. Okay. That's all right. Don't, don't, don't write me off. Right. Don't, don't write somebody off because they did something that didn't go well. Because when that happens, like, how can they find their way back or how can they even, uh, you know, like show their face again at a conference or whatever. And that to me, that's just awful. Yeah. That's just awful. Uh, be, you know, because we, 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 we are quick to write somebody off because they did something that we didn't totally 100% agree with. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. You, you're not their God. And in a lot of cases you're not their leadership. Yeah. And, Really, do you have, do you have veto power in, in someone's life? Like, and who, who does have the veto power in your life? You know, like mm-hmm. there's only one, there's only one person in my life that has veto power outside of my wife. Mm. And that, and that's my dad. and He's my pastor. That's my bishop. And I will take advice from anybody. And there's men of God that I have taken advice from for many years. And they spoke great things into my world. And I've taken their advice, probably 90% of their advice I've taken. But there's only one man that can tell me absolutely not. The answer is a no. Mm-hmm. And that's my bishop. And when he says no, it's a no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, there's no more questions asked. It's like, I'm not even going to try to work around that. Like, mm-hmm. it's a no. And I trust that. You know why? Because there's been moments in my life when he's told me no, and I just did it. And and now, being 43 years old, looking back, I'm like, that was the best no I ever heard. <laughs> You know, that, that, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers. Thank God for a man of God who would tell me no. And for other musicians, other leaders, other uh, singers and artists listening right now, if you don't have one person in your life that has veto power, thank God for your mentors. Mm. Thank God for your, you know, people who, you know, who you listen to. Thank God for elders. God bless them all. We love them. In the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Thank God for counsel. But who's your veto power? Mm. Who's your Samuel? Who's your Nathan? Who's the guy that can walk into your office right now and go, hey, you're about to do this and you need to end it right now. It's over. Hey, you're, you're dating this girl, but she's not the one for you. Cut it off. Mm. Hey, you're dating this guy, but he ain't right for you. God told me to tell you it's over. Mm. Who's that person? I can tell you no. And if you don't have one of those people who can tell you no, then you don't need to be collaborating with nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's individual. Yeah. It's it's individual. It's, 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 it's for the, it, you know, like... Who do you have in your life? That, because if you don't have a no person, if you don't have that person that can just tell you no and you're going to listen, no questions asked, then you don't need to be out there doing that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. you're going to get yourself in a mess. You can get mm-hmm. yourself in trouble. And if you're surrounded by a bunch of yes people who just want to be your friend and want to mentor you and, you know, ride on your coattails of success and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, he calls me, he talks to me, whatever, whatever, then you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Especially in the in this kind of this context that we're talking about right now, yeah, but if you have that one person that can call you up and go, "Hey, I heard you about to do this, and you need to end it right now. this is not God's will for your life you need to you need to shut this off well, if you don't have that, then you know then then how can God speak to you? yeah, you know, and I know God can speak to you, but the problem is is that God's probably been speaking to you, but you've been <laughs> now nah that that's me that's that's just me, you know, yeah, you know that's just me, but when it's that one person who God knows that he can speak through. Because you have to set that up. Every musician, every artist, every person, leadership, listen to me right now. You have to choose that person. You, you, you have to find that person in your life. You have to let them have that power, and they need to know they have that power. And when you do, and God know, then God has the the avenue. It's like it's like giving God your phone number.
2: Yeah. It's like,
1: hey Lord, if you ever want to speak to me, this is the person to do it through. And then God says, okay, now I have a connection to you. Because all throughout the Bible, God has always used a man, a prophet, mm. someone, and an apostle, a disciple to speak a word. And if you don't have that set up in your life, how can God do that? Yeah. Because God can give you dreams and visions and talk to you. But, but if you don't have that relation, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, we are always second guessing what we hear in our head. Yes. But if you get a random phone call from a guy who you have set up in your life and huh. says, hey, this isn't what God wants for you. And I want you to shut this down.
2: Yeah.
1: Then, like, yeah, you could get in you can get in a lot of mess, you can get in a lot of mess and if and if you don't have that kind of stuff, then yeah, check your collaborating, yeah, <laughs> yeah, check collaborations uh,
0: i I appreciate your wisdom so much. This is such great, great uh advice for people to hear, and practical steps to take to to make sure that we're following the Lord the way that we should and that we have the voices in our lives to help us on that on that journey I really I appreciate those thoughts a lot is there anything else on the subject of music that we haven't talked about that you want to say that you feel like we need to say
1: you know I just want to say to people um, and and I've been trying to say this as much as I possibly can and I want to encourage musicians, especially younger musicians, younger artists, you're writing, you're, you're, you know, you're amazing. You have skill, you have talent, you have gift. I want to encourage you to not get weary in well-doing, that, that the gift will make room for itself and bring you before mighty men. Uh, it, it, it didn't say that God was going to elevate you miraculously. It says it's going to bring you before people, like mm-hmm. people are going to see you. Um, but like, what are you doing right now? That that's my big question to young musicians. Are you serving in your local church? That's my biggest one. Mm-hmm. Like, are you serving in your local church? Because when King Saul was vexed by the devil, and his servant said, "Let us find someone who can play for you," and that when the devil when when the evil spirits come, we can have them play and sing, and the evil spirits relieve. Saul said, "Is there such a man?" And all of it like like does this guy even exist? Like you're mm-hmm. just. Randomly talking to me, the Bible says there was a servant. The Bible doesn't even give him a name, but one of his servants says, "I know such a man." Here's what he said: He said, "I have seen such a man. Hmm. He, he he is a cunning play player. He is a great musician, and he's a man of war. Like like he's a great guy, and he's he's one of the sons of Jesse. And the reason that David got uh you know in front of Saul." is because someone saw him doing something you know at his father's house mm-hmm. just doing what you know like we we live in this we live in this crazy world right now where nobody wants to do anything until they get the phone call to go do it on a big scale
2: mm-hmm.
1: like who who are you serving right now the bible says that elisha it, after Elijah put the mantle on e- Elisha and, and left him, you know, Elisha, let me go home. Let me, let, let me get stuff in order. I'm going to follow you. And so the Bible says after he got his stuff in order, he made the sacrifices, fed his family. He came, the Bible says, and he followed and ministered unto Elijah. Like whatever ministry, whatever ministry you want, that's the ministry that God expects you to serve.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: like if you're a musician right now, let's just make it practical. Let's say you're a drummer right now. And you're a really, really good drummer. And you want to play at NYC. You want to play at your HYC. You want to play for this event. You want to play for that. You want to play for James Wilson. You want to play for Court Chains. And and, and you you have all these dreams and aspirations. But you cannot show up for time Mm. at your church's practice because because your music director isn't as cool as Julian Tavares. Mm. And so you don't want to show up for her. And you you don't respond to the send text messages mm. and you just like, don't even let them know that you're going to show up or not. <laughs> and and, and you're, you're not serving that ministry. Mm. And so because you're not serving that ministry, how can you have the ministry that you won't minister to? Like just serve, serve that ministry, serve in your local church, serve the people that are around you. And God will give you that platform. God, listen, that is God given. People yeah. call me all the time. Hey, I want to sing at NYC. How do I do that? Like, I don't even know. I don't even <laughs> respond to those type of I don't even respond to that stuff. And the reason I don't even respond to it is because I have no answer for you. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how. I like, I'm not in charge of that. Not at all. Like I get the phone call just like you get the phone call. I, I don't I don't even like I, I don't even know how that I, I got to where I'm at today. It's because but I served. I served my father. Yeah. I served my local church. And when nobody knew my name. I was showing up early and staying late to make sure it got done because I wanted it to be excellent and I wanted to serve. And so for young ministry right now who who are just like, you know, you have these big dreams and aspirations, take a deep breath, calm down, God's in control, and look around you and say, hey, who am I serving right now? Before David ever fought Goliath, before David ever fought Goliath, he showed up with cheese and bread for his brothers. Mm. Before he was ever a soldier, he was a servant. Mm. And before he got the greatest platform and the greatest moment in battle, he was serving his brothers who he had been anointed in front of. His brothers watched him be anointed, but he was serving them. Mm. That's, a, that's a whole message in itself. Yeah. And when Peter in Acts chapter one said, hey, listen, we need to fulfill the role of Judas who here is eligible and what is the eligibility for the person who will take the role of Jesus? They said, we are looking for the, the ones that have been here since the beginning. Mm. Not who could preach, not who could sing, who, who, who's been here, mm-hmm. who's been faithful, who's been on time, who showed up. And out of all those people, which we know is at least 150, out of all those people, there were only two men there that met the criteria, Wow, Matthias and Justice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you get a 50-50 chance. You get a 50-50 <laughs> chance of being one of the 12 disciples. And the only criteria that you had to do was you just had to have been there, been faithful, been on time, showed up. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing we're missing in the movement is servants. People yeah. who will serve because that's where God goes to choose people from mm. that's 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 where God pulls from god God pulls from the servant from the stash of servants uh to make great great men and great women out of and so if that's all I could say this this entire podcast that's worth it for yeah. me yeah. to speak to 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 young ministry young leaders and unbelievably talented kids right now that are just blowing my mind with what they can do is say hey man like who are you serving
0: yeah I love
2: it.
1: Yeah, who are you serving?
0: I love it. Well, we always, we always wrap up with the same question. Yeah. Our show is called Good Questions, so we like to ask every guest that we have on, what is a good question that you are asking yourself lately?
1: You know, uh, I read this in, in the questions, and I think, I think the single question that keeps coming to me um, over and over again um, is, what does the next revival look like um, for the, you know, the end time? Um, mm-hmm. You know, every revival, every season of revival has looked so different. And I know that it's going to come the way that all of them come, you know, prayer, fasting, um, you know, our church on fire. Like, like I get that. But like, what what does the end time revival look like? Where does it start? And like, how do we get our feet into it? Mm. Like the question that I've been asking myself a lot lately is, am I am I poised to to receive the end time revival? Mm. And like and like, what does that look like? You know, what do those people look like? What, what does our methods look like? Like our message has to be the same, cannot change. Yeah. But what does our, what does our methods look like? And then like, how do we facilitate that as a church? And I, I think that's the, one of the biggest questions I've been asking myself, have not a hundred percent figured it out yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I know the basics, you know, Hey, I know the fundamentals. I know that, I know, I know that the foundation has to be what the foundation is. Like I right. get it. Like, but like, what does that look like? Is it going to be an online revival? Like, what does our online look like? Uh, Bible studies, uh, knocking doors, like, you know, thing, you know, common things that we do. But like, what's, what's that next thing? You know, yeah. it's almost like, uh, you know, Steve Jobs gave us something that we didn't even know that we re- really wanted, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the next revival is going to kind of be that way. It's like, I was, I'm, I've been asking the Lord and asking myself, like, what does that look like? What's that? What's that? What's that thing that we, when we get plugged into it, is just going to go bananas? Yeah. And um, I think I think that's a good question.
0: It is a good question. I love it. Well, I appreciate so much your time today. Thank you for coming on and sharing your um, a pastoral voice for us for this season. I <laughs> I I truly truly um, appreciate it, and I think it's what we needed um, to hear. And I and I'm I'm so grateful that we were able to make this happen.
1: Hey, I thank you for the opportunity, and I hope I said something today that's gonna help somebody.
0: I believe you have. Y'all, what a way to wrap up this Apostolic Music season. There was so much in this conversation, it's probably worth listening to again, just to make sure you caught it all. Who's willing to be a faithful servant of the kingdom, right where you are, rather than chasing a spotlight or a position? Who is ready to take steps in your church or your youth group or your music department or your district to shift the culture of the apostolic movement away from competition to being a supportive family who is ready to be an unapologetic fan of apostolic artists to support them with your likes shares streams downloads album and concert ticket purchases i hope you are and i hope this season has given you some new artists to support new music to bless your life and your church, and as always, new ideas to think about and spark conversations in your real life. Thank you so much to Pastor Court Chavis for his wisdom and insight. Thank you to all of our guests this season. Thank you to Friends of the Podcast, unofficial Good Question production staff, Ricky and Jessica Simpson. This season was their idea and their collaboration was an answer to prayer. Their help has been absolutely invaluable. Most importantly, thank you for listening. Just like Pastor Chavis said, there is no point in anything we do here if you don't listen to it. So I appreciate your support Every download, every share, every comment on social media, all of it matters. And I am so grateful you keep coming back week after week, season after season. And speaking of seasons, plans for season four are already in the works. I'm looking at doing things a little bit differently, adding on a regular co-host and doing a deep dive season that I think will really be a blessing to you. I know the things we plan to talk about have been amazingly impactful in my life, so I'm looking forward to that. The big thing you need to know is that we are taking some extra time between seasons this summer to get everything in order and our family moved to Denmark. Yes, we are believing that that is finally going to happen this summer, so we will return with season four on Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022. That seems like a long time away, doesn't it? But I know it's gonna fly by. In the meantime, stay subscribed. We might just pop into your podcast feed here and there with updates, and we will be back before you know it. In the meantime, if you go back and catch up on episodes you missed, keep sharing and tagging us on social media. We are on Instagram at Good Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A N D E R U P. You can also find us on Facebook. Search for Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast. If you want to send us an email, you can do that to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. You can follow Team Tanderup as we finally head to Denmark. We are at Tanderups for Denmark on Instagram and Facebook. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. If you would like to support that endeavor or support the podcast, there are links in the show notes for our Text to Give Global Missions account and for BuyMeACoffee.com, both places where you can make a one-time financial gift. We appreciate every single cent. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man you might be sick of hearing me shout out at the end of every show, but who truly... I could not do this without my partner of almost 10 years, my biggest fan and biggest cheerleader, the best dad my girls could ask for, is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. We will be back here on October 4th with another season of Good Question. See y'all then.